Can you talk about what? Just I'll talk about the process. We're just going to introduce the process. No. You're not allowed to. You made a hash of it with the two <laughs> conductors. Of I did make a hash I'll of it with the two conductors. Should I say that? We should talk about that. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the sixth of our uh, Youthscape podcasts. People, this is a momentous moment because I'm about to use a word that I think has been copyrighted to Martin Saunders because we want to talk to you today about innovation. And obviously we know that, Martin, you did not invent that word. I did not invent that but word. But as far as Youthscape is concerned, this is, you are the cultural man around innovation. This is, this is your bag. And there's a bit of a sore spot here, listeners, because actually Martin's body language right now is actually quite closed because uh, the only other time he ever allowed me to speak about innovation was to the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Yeah. And I kind of bombed. No, you didn't. Bomb. Well, well, I wasn't there. No, no. And I, I first of all, I curtsied. <laughs> Good start. I was the only one in the whole building who did a little Bob curtsy. Strong start. Strong start. And then I just waffled, I think, about pornography or something that probably just embarrassed everybody and then it just all went downhill from there so martin talk to us reclaim this because we are really passionate about innovation we're passionate about new models and new approaches yeah so talk us through the process when you when we say it as youthscape yeah. what are we going on about okay well what an intro frankly I mean, it's like a world <laughs> being introduced by a whirlwind <laughs> amazing um, but, uh, and, and you obviously, you did a great job of introducing the innovation process to the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. I think at one point I might even have gone, ta-da, because I just did it in front of the innovation wall. Were oh, you yes. curtsying at the time? Oh, I think I was doing many things, oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, look, um, if you can get that image out of your head, um, I, I, one of the things we talk about a lot at Youthscape is this word innovation. And it's one of those things where if you say it too many times, it becomes meaningless. So just to get back to sort of what we mean, and it's really, it's really basic. We believe that in the, uh, in the current culture, um, with church youth work as it is, with Christian engagement with young people being as it is, new approaches, new models, new ways of reaching young people are needed. So that's the starting point. And innovation is just about finding new ways of doing the stuff. So it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not even a science. <laughs> I don't think yet. It's not yet a science. Um, but uh, it, it's just about having good processes uh, of developing new ideas, new approaches. That's it. That's all it is. At Youthscape, we've developed an innovation process. It's a five-stage process, a filter through which we make all our new resources and training and events and stuff go. So, um, so that's um, that's all it is. It's mm -hmm. very simple. And I'll walk you through the five stages. And then at the Do end, you know, I'm learning huge amounts here. This, shall I this say, is great. Yeah. When, when it's over, shall I say, ta-da? Ta yeah, lovely. Okay, okay. so here we go. Stage, stage one. That's good. Yeah. I like that you... We need Matt Summerfield for this. Yeah, that would one. be great, wouldn't it? Here so sta go. step one. <laughs> step one, it's not a recovery <laughs> program. I hope. So the first stage on the process is uh, opportunities, and that's really important. So um, I'll give you a, a sneak preview. The second stage is ideas. That's important because opportunities is about starting before the idea. So everything that we develop at Youthscape uh, and everything we think you develop out in the field we think it should start before the idea. It should start with opportunities. It should start by asking what's really going on among young people. What are the problems, the issues, the questions that youth ministry needs to respond to? So not starting with, I've had a great idea in the shower, we should do this new mm -hmm. thing. We should, we should launch an app. Um, not, not starting there, but starting with, 
as you have recently, uh, young people are in the midst of this epidemic of sexting and inappropriate image sharing um, empowered by social media and, and technology. That's the opportunity, that's the starting point. Then you move on to stage two, which is ideas. In response to knowing what the issue is, you then say, right, what is the best way of us engaging with that? And so what we do at Youthscape is we take an opportunity and then we brainstorm ideas around it. And we make sure we've got the best possible idea. We go through little selection processes to work out what's the best idea. Then the third stage is development. So we develop things really robustly. We have some forms we get people to fill in. We get people to take the process of developing something really seriously. And then the, th the fourth stage is piloting. We get everyone to test everything, see if it actually works. And the fifth stage is evaluation. Uh, evaluating uh, the thing you've created against its original aims, which of course means you have to have some actual aims in the first place. So that's quite instructive in itself. Um, and so we've been running with that process for development for the last year or so, uh, maybe a bit longer at Youthscape. When we moved into our new building, from which we are broadcasting mm -hmm. right now, yeah. um, we um, are not broadcasting, podcasting. Podcasting. I guess that's different, isn't it? We're so old school, aren't we? Yeah. Um, uh, we have a 10 metre long uh, wall. Um, which is uh, five sheets of coloured magnetic glass stuff mm. uh, on which you can write, you can pin things. And it's basically divided into these five different zones, these five uh, coloured um, stages. So uh, left to right, you know, you walk through opportunities, ideas, in development, pilot, evaluation. And that's the way that we as an organisation track the stuff that we're actually developing. And it's also a way for the whole organisation, uh, from people who are working in our youth centre on the ground with young people to people who are working in secretarial roles or whatever, uh, all of them get to play, all of them get to get involved in that process. And that's the great strength of this, isn't it? I think that actually you are getting voices speaking into your projects yeah. from all different angles. And and I think, because I, I remember when I first started doing the sexting thing, I, my approach was, well, I'll, I'll create something, I'll keep it very close to me, and then when it's done, I'll do that. Ta -da! And and you suddenly realise, no, no, that's not how this works. You've got to be really open-handed, and that that is a culture shift, isn't yeah, it? Because again, we've talked about failure before, but we do feel often as youth workers that our success as youth workers is on, is on that little weekly guide that we've yeah, written yeah. or that card-based activity we've done, and we forget that actually it's everything that goes into it right from the start. We are we are curating an yeah, idea. Yeah, that's what yeah. our job is, and that's been very exciting. And that collaborative approach to creativity and creating new things I think is transformative and I, and would you say you know you've created is it okay yeah. which is one of the first things to truly go through this process uh, you know have you found that helpful you can say now if you I haven't. have found it helpful what, what does that say Martin oh it Just has read that been bit. it has it's been brilliant no it's been brilliant because I've suddenly thought the whole way along I need to be accountable for this I need to kind of back up why we're doing it this way and not that way and it is potentially quite an explosive resource so it's, it's given me a sense of safety for me and Gareth as we've developed it um, and there have been some other things and they shuffle that's been absolutely phenomenal I know lots of people listening probably have tested that with their young people because that's what we do as well isn't yeah. it we, we we sort of reach out beyond youthscape and say those of us that are doing this all around the UK please speak yeah, into this a as well a lot of testing and that's yeah, been amazing yeah and it's important not to make this all about uh, youthscape and what we're developing that's not the no, no, no. that's not the point of this like we're, we're developing something here that we hope if it if it works if it's beneficial that everybody involved in in youth work can then take away and adapt for themselves so so i genuinely believe that this five-step innovation process of 
asking questions about uh, you know your community and, and what's really going on, working out the best response, developing that response, testing that response, and evaluating it. I think that applies to everybody, uh, whether you're just you're working in a parachurch organization developing curriculum resources, or you're actually on the front lines mm. um, doing a, a, a weekly drop-in or, mm. or, 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 or some other form of, of, of face-to-face youth work. I think it equally wow. applies. Yeah, brilliant way of working. So, uh, yeah. so can people come and see it? Absolutely. Yeah, come, come and come. see the wall. Bring an idea. Well, let, let Martin walk you through you're it. You're not allowed to write on the wall. You can't, you can't, you can't no, you're not allowed to write near wall. the wall. <laughs> no, you are, you are allowed to. Come and have, come and have a go, because it is, I've, I've been a youth worker about 20 years, but this is the first time that I've been working like this, and, yeah. it, and it is a bit painful at times, but it is brilliant. It's a brilliant yeah. way to get good stuff out there for our young people. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of um, grown from some of the stuff that people like Google and uh, Samsung and others have done mm. in this area. So we're, we're borrowing from the culture a little bit and adapting it for our own our own ends, which I think is perfectly fair yeah, game. That's good stuff. There's been a little bit of I've picked up a little bit of criticism about this, about a sort of design-centered okay. development process of it losing its connection with young people. That I if if that's what you think, you've misunderstood what I'm saying here, because this is this starts with listening to the voices of young people. And actually all the way through the process, we involve young people. Mm. We listen to young people's ideas. We get them involved in our product development. We pilot with real live young people and then we'll involve young people in the evaluation process. So it it isn't product centered at all, it's people centered. Um, But people are, I think people sometimes get a bit scared of the idea that we might be borrowing a worldly method for this sort of stuff. So um, yeah, I, I, do you want me to stop? I am now. <laughs> that is my thread. Hello, Hey! Yeah, let me finish that sentence. Let's finish just hold all um, nice. all the phones. So I just think this could be really helpful for everybody. I think we should engage with what uh, the world is doing around innovation and take some of the best of that for ourselves. And so, uh, so yeah, like you say, one way to see it would be to come up and actually yeah. visit us here at Butte Mills. Just drop us a line. Youthscape yeah. uh, podcast. Can't do email addresses, can we? No, she's, she's shaking her head at you. Producer Rachel's not happy. Podcast at youthscape.co.uk. That's enough about innovation yeah. for today. Absolutely. And we've got a very lovely friend that's just walked into the room. So we're going to sort ourselves out. Grab yourself a coffee. I'll be back in a few minutes. That's not what we're doing. That's no. not how it works. <laughs> no, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? If there was just a long That's period okay. of silence. I believe you started introducing this. Yeah. So. If you want to, you could do the game with Ruth as well. I know. Oh, yes. Wow. Just check that out. Right? Really That's Ruth. Down. Right really there. <laughs> so am I interested? No, let me do it. Yeah. So we have a guest with us. I I just want to warn you right now. If you've got a sort of a volume limiter <laughs> on your headphones. This might be the moment to try it out. Yeah. No, I'm going to be very, uh, I'm going to try oh, to be very oh, John Oh, she's doing it. Oh, that's my <laughs> Wow. I won't be able to keep that up the whole time. So welcome, to welcome to the Youthscape podcast. Uh, Youthscape's own Ruth Ayres. Very exciting. What's your job at Youthscape? My job title has just changed, but I'm not oh, sure no, what tell us, to tell say. Yeah, dude, it's fine. <laughs> Mental health project manager. Wow. Yes. So mental health project, project manager. manager. It's a bit of a mouthful, but you know. you know all about mental health. Apparently so. So we're going to talk about that. Great. 
and, uh, and, and some other things as well. Can, sure. I, can I just start by talking a bit about your background? So you, you came to us from a social work background, That's didn't correct. you? So how, what was the story there? How long had you, had you done that for? Uh, I'd been in social work and child protection for four years. Previous to that, I'd worked with women in, in domestic violence, which is still a little bit kind of safeguarding social worky. And um, before I graduated, before I qualified, I did 12 months with an aftercare team, so a bit yeah. more social work. And you're still passionate about that, like oh, yeah, that 100%. sector and, and Christians yep. engaging with that yeah. and, and so on as well. It's like a comfortable pair of shoes. It's the thing that feels nice to go back to, to talk about. It's um, <clears throat> vitally important, and I think uh, the church is sometimes not always done it to the best of its ability and I think we've overlooked a lot of stuff um, which has been to the detriment of children and young people but I hope now we're on a bit of a trajectory that says this is important and it's important that we talk about it and it's important that we get it right. So. Let me say I think this is a wonderful thing about you Ruth. You, you mm. genuinely care about safeguarding in a way that doesn't sound dull. It doesn't sound, you know, because a lot of people think, oh man, I've got to go to the safeguarding yeah, yeah. evening. Whereas you care about it, mm. actually, because you you kind of have a vision for it. Yeah, and I think, you know, young, young people and children living in, in any kind of abuse, whether that's abstract poverty, sexual abuse, like whatever it may be, just isn't okay. And I feel like the church should have a response to that. Um, and that the church should be at the forefront of saying we want to help and support those families where these issues are key. And I don't. I think for for many many years we've been on the back foot with it. Um, so who is doing something about it then? Because social work is dying a death. It's on its knees. Um, so if the church isn't saying we will do it, we will make sure these children are fed. We will make sure these children, you know, are free from abuse. Then I kind of question who is really stepping up and saying this isn't okay you know I think it's something we should feel absolutely desperately passionate about and called to um 100% so so we know that every church should at the bare minimum have a safeguarding coordinator absolutely but you're talking about safeguarding vision so so what one other thing could churches do to really begin to say actually this is on our watch we do care about the kids in our community above kind of our legal responsibility and duty of care what other things could be doing well I come from a salvage army background so the poor always are something that I can't let go of and I think it was Booth that said you know feed a man before you tell them about Jesus and actually there's a real practical way that you can love families Um, and that might be through I don't know buying a sibling another pair of shoes and thinking I'm not going to claim that back or saying I'm going to you know cook a meal for somebody or saying I'm going to make sure we have clean you know my mum when she was the, church, the, the youth work, well, she was sort of Sunday school leader at our church. You know, she took every single... So we used to wear Salvation Army uniform. Yeah, it's all very weird, I know. Yeah, I but she would take every single uniform home for the young people to wash it so they all looked clean and they all looked the same. Now, that might sound something really weird, but actually when they stood up on a Sunday... They didn't stand up with yoghurt half down their top. Yeah. They didn't stand up in trousers that were too short. You know, she made sure every single young person and child felt proud. Oh, and that's amazing. I feel like it and that's down, the kind actually. of thing that we yeah. should be doing. Yeah. It's about saying, not we want you to look like us, but we want you to feel a sense of pride. And that can be done through the most tiny thing or the biggest of things. And I think it's those things that I've grown up with that has said, 
like look outwards mm. you know how can we help what can we do how can we make a difference it sounds like your mum is if you're talking about a vision of families oh, she? Yeah. so she just saw these young people as yeah. hers yeah and I think that's coming through the podcast time and time again actually Ruth this sense of actually if we're really going to be reaching this generation and seeing them flourish in all yeah. these different ways it's about seeing ourselves as women families this is a family affair these young people are our young people are our responsibility and church should feel like home shouldn't yeah. it like, now I know for lots of young people home can be a very very scary place but church should be about modeling what home should look like Mm. and that means everybody's included everybody's got a place everybody's got a voice we all look out for each other we care for each other we feed each other when when we're hungry like if we really want to create that sense of home then but church should be about modeling what home should look like for Mm. those young people that have never experienced that Mm. so for young people then in our churches who who needs more than and let's face it all young people need more than just a once a week check-in thing but for those young people on our radar who we know are coming from situations where it's not great they're not getting the support and love they care what, what practical things can we do as church that re- responds well to safeguarding because we are nervous aren't we about mm. getting this wrong but what are some things that we can be thinking to do differently i think one of the biggest things i would say is for those young people that you have maybe a gut instinct about or you're not sure about or you know they're coming from somewhere difficult like write stuff down that's so important i feel like church's record keeping hasn't been great over the years and actually those things that you realize that are strange you know you're basically building a, a, a backlog of evidence that you can then take to the local authority and the more evidence you've got the more likelihood the local authority will listen to you so i think it's really important to make sure you have really good record keeping of those young people that you know are living in very very difficult circumstances and um, I, I definitely am, am, am big on like my mum also used to visit every single young person in her Sunday school she would go to their house wow. and she would um and, her, and the Sunday school when my mum was in charge grew and grew and grew because she absolutely saw the whole holistic part of the child so it was about feeding them it was about loving them it was about making sure they had clean clothes it was about seeing their parents like there's something about you sitting in people's homes as well like that is also vitally important there's a model around saying we're not just here to pick up your kids mm. for Sunday school yes. we're here for you yes um, and I remember yeah. mum's crying on my mum and saying you know I don't know I've got five quid to last me for the week and my mum's mm. saying okay well let's you know let's go and buy you some tins from Tesco's and mm. nothing glamorous mm. but just mm. that yes. every day um, yeah compassion yeah. and we're here yeah. and being visible you know being visible to those families not just once a week but visible to them you know as that coming week starts that visibility I think it sounds really like cool. we need to interview your mum oh my mum is incredible yeah mom. we should she's get brilliant. your mum she's honestly brilliant she we're was in social that. care for like 25 years yeah. Yeah. let's do that That's we're making a note yeah right. producer Rachel has just made a note look there's there's so many things we could talk to you about we're definitely not going to get through all of this in one <laughs> podcast but um, you are as you say uh, Youthscape's mental health projects manager yes and uh, congratulations on the, on the job change. Thanks very much. Um, but uh, I think if we were having this conversation five, definitely ten years ago, it would be a different conversation. So churches were still struggling to get to grips with the issue of uh, young people and, and people in their church have quite profound mental health issues to, to, to uh, address. And we weren't very good at being aware of that. Do you see that picture changing? Do you think it's a more encouraging? I'm, I'm characterising it as a more encouraging picture. Your face, you pulled a face at that point. 
No? I think there's pockets of it getting better, but I don't think we are anywhere near to where we should be. Again, like, you know, the mental health system in this country is broken. Like, God has no plan B. The local church is it, right? Mm. We, we are the answer. We are the hope of the world. And I think we're... For me, I just feel sad that we're still five or six paces behind mm. what we should be talking about. Obviously, prayer is incredibly powerful, and that's the best thing we can do for people. But do you know what? If somebody's struggling with their mental health, don't say, don't tell them to pray harder. Mm. Like, mm. that's that's mm. the most... They're in the most lonely, difficult, dark place. Maybe they can't pray. You know, maybe maybe the thing to say is, I'm going to pray harder for you, mm. and we're mm. going to also do some practical things to, to help you on this journey. But I feel like we just have this simplistic answer, broad brush, brushstroke answer for everyone everything and whilst prayer and bringing it to god is so important do you know what sometimes people also need friends mm. and sometimes people need assessments and they need somebody to talk to and they need a diagnosis you know that that is all vitally important and i don't think it has to be one or the other and i think it has to be pray harder that's it mm. i think it I think it can be let's talk about this let's pray about it but also let's talk about how we help you to feel better mm. um within the stuff that's happening and I just worry that we're not we're not there as much as we should be probably is getting better in places but mm. yeah I think there's a long way to go mm. and what are some of the things right now as you look at young people what are some of the key mental health issues questions that are coming up uh time and time again um you know, anxiety, I feel like we need to beat that drum even more, even though people are now talking about it. I feel like there's a there's a bigger noise to make about how much anxiety affects not just people, but young people. Um, and I think, you know, there is a... We're living in a kind of here and now culture, aren't we, where everything you want to send, say, you can do it at the touch of a button, it's out there. Once it's out there, you can't take it back. Um, and I, I, I wonder what that does for social anxiety. How does it... How does it feel then when you're at a party with people, not just behind a screen? You know, what does it feel like when you have to actually go and do a job interview rather than just looking at your phone? Like mm. all of those mm. skills that I was so privileged enough to be able to learn because so smartphones came in so much later into my life. I worry that we're raising a generation that can scroll through pictures on their phone but can't go to a party. Yeah. And I think for me and for, for my generation, the lovely thing is is that we see our phones as an extension of our relationships with people. Yeah. So if I've got family the other side of the world or a friend that lives two hours away, of course I can keep in instant contact with them, which is lovely. But for young people, it's not an extension of their relationships. It's the be-all and end-all of their relationships. And I think that's really concerning because we've got a generation that doesn't know how to do this, mm. doesn't know how to hold eye contact, doesn't know how to have a relevant yeah. conversation, doesn't know how to shake somebody's hand and say, hi, I'm Ruth, nice to meet you. Like, So that's a really complex issue. And I don't think the answer is, well, smartphones are evil and we have to take <laughs> them away. Yeah. I think we have to try and help young people to find a balance between this, this smartphone is great and it's a mere extension of the relationships that you have, but I want to help you to make real, important, significant relationships too. And you're probably going to ask me how we do that, but I think that's a much more complex issue, really. But I think the starting point is to say, I want my young people that I work with within my church to be able to do real relationships 
ongoing significantly. Yeah, and, and yes, we, we do want to ask you how do we do that, but I suppose just listening to you, Ruth, I'm, I'm really hearing you say the old ways, the best ways, as in face-to-face, yeah. mentoring relationship with young people, yeah. gathered youth work, safe church, safe yeah. home. It's those very simple, yeah. your mum buying you know, a tin of beans for a yeah. It's actually the very simple things that we do that keep yeah. the live interaction with young yeah. people. That's really important, isn't it? Yeah, and I think... You know, there is a, there's, there's been a surge in online therapies. You know, Childline are now doing one-to-one counselling online. And that's a great starting point, but it's not recovery. Like, mm. that's not how mm. we help young people to get better. It can be a place where they, at 2 o'clock in the morning, are like, I feel like self-harming or I feel like I'm going to do something stupid or I can't get the fact that my mum and dad have just had a massive row out of my head. I'm going to log on. And in my moment of crisis, there's going to be somebody on the other end that's going to respond to me. But actually, that isn't where young people find hope and get better. Mm. Um, it's then in the conversations that happen after that and the reality of life. It, it's the person saying on a Sunday, tell me about your mum and dad. You know, mm. how, how's mm. things going with them? It's, it's those real life conversations that start to create us to feel better and able to reach out as human beings. Mm. I don't think that will ever change. And it sounds as well like um, there's a kind of an equipping piece for us as youth workers. We, we, many of us, it will instinctively, because we are youth workers, we build relationships with young people. We create spaces in real time, real place. Um, but there's an equipping piece. And, and Ruth, since having you as part of our Youthscape team, I've, I've noticed ways that because of all your social work background and your mental health awareness, that you've just really equipped members of our team to do what we do better. Mm. So uh, I want to hear a little bit about what are some of the ways that we can equip our ourselves to do what we do even more effectively in raising mental health i think every every for me like i'm a i'm a big fan of systems theory um and everybody is part of a system so the system that i grew up in was mum dad brother sister um all of us probably a bit too extroverted um, all of us were, were, were raised in the system to have opinions to talk about what we thought to really own those and think about them and I know that that hasn't been the case for lots of for lots and lots of people and for the young people that we work with that isn't the case but I don't feel like we can really move young people on unless we know the system that they're part of for example a very simplistic way to think about that is if i'd have grown up in a very racist household i could have gone to any after school club any groups i could have gone to a very diverse school but actually my system was racist so it's going to be hard for me Mm. to get past that block of i come from a racist family um so i think with young people it's about holistically seeing the, the the system that they're in and sometimes young people can get stuck in that system for example very cliched but perhaps the girl that's you know trapped in CSE has grown up in a very violent perhaps um very kind of male strong household and so then will you know respond to males in that way and until we actually tap into the whole system and we look at young people as holistic young people it's unlikely we're going to make long-term change we might see short-term pieces of change but it's unlikely we're going to create whole adults that are going to go on to live you know independently well so I so think it's a system and it's about observe, helping young people sort of spot identify yeah. the system but yeah. but then but then what? what 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 happens then can they be can they break out of that yeah that's because that feels like quite a like I find that quite difficult I'm thinking gosh how can you how do you recover from growing up in a racist 
home? Like, how do you, how do you, what do you do? That's around you. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do you ever change if that's your... Well, I think it's about being strong enough to say, you know, I've got a little bit of a hunch here that the reason you're carrying some of these values is because Mm. this is the system that you come from. There's a great tool called Genograms, which is basically a a more in-depth family tree, and it helps young people to look at the relationships that they've had growing up. And what you can do from that is you can say, do you know what, I've got a bit of a hunch that the reason that some of this behaviour is happening is because of these relationships. Now, the young person might completely shut that down and say no that's not right that you know you've got it all wrong that's fine but I think sometimes we're scared to voice that with young Mm -hmm. people and to say I'm getting a little bit of a sense that the reason these behaviors are happening are because Mm -hmm. x y and z tell me I'm wrong tell me to do one tell me to go away but this is what I think I did a genogram with a 19 year old boy who we just removed his child um, and we did this genogram together and we looked at his system and he burst into tears and he was like I've never seen this before on paper. I've Mm. never realised the profound effect that all those relationships in my family had on me. And the reason I'm like this, Ruth, is because of this, this, this and this. And he owned it and he said it. And he he was able to then say, what do I do about it? How how do I stop this? How do I stop this system in its tracks so that my children and their children and their children don't grow up in this same environment? But, but, gosh, what you've done there is you've kind of ripped someone apart. You've gone, look, see why it's... And they they go, hang on, my whole identity was rooted in my family and there's something really broken in that. You've surely got to follow that up with something. You can't leave it there. That's where mentoring and other stuff steps in. And that's where you say... This isn't the end of the hope. Like, this isn't where it has to end. Your story does not have to end here. Yes, we've identified it. Just like I identified in my household that we were all too opinionated. And I had to go through a process where people said to me, Ruth, do you know what? Sometimes it's too much. And I had to go on that journey uh, myself. And I think what we say to young people is, this isn't the end of your story. Mm. This is only but the beginning. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah, we've got a journey to go on together. And I'm going to support you in that. And I'm going to do everything I can for you in that. But it's a starting place that says it's also it's also empowering because it allows young people to realise that some of their behaviour isn't actually their fault. Mm-hmm. So it allows them to own it in a way that says, well, maybe it's because... And that doesn't mean you shirk responsibility or you can say you can get away with doing what you want. You know, there's still accountability in that, but it's about saying you've got permission to perhaps feel a little bit angry about some of the things mm-hmm. that have gone on. And within that, we'll help you to unpack what's happened and we'll you know, really work practical. together. Yeah. And just, I mean, the gospel is all over that. Oh, yeah. that, that is the hope. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Now that's really powerful. So we, we are excited about seeing more stuff that's going to be coming out because we've yeah. got you in the mix here helping us think in sharper ways about compassion, about loving young people, mm. wraparound care and support, raising mental health, yep. busting them out of some of these yep. systems. That's really, really powerful. Um, we're going to play a little game with you Great. in a minute because we know that you're a, a girl that loves challenges. Love a game! I, I don't know if you, you might have caught Ruth in the Super Bowl recently. She, her and her sister went to the States. And we did. We hung out with some cowboys and some guys dressed in what were they dressed in like playing playing what were they playing what oh American football <laughs> that's the game that's really oh my goodness you really do know what I you're talking about I know nothing about sports what is American Simply, football what is American football uh, it's just a load of burly men <laughs> just run around yeah and <laughs> throwing <laughs> balls at each other and I don't really know what it is I've been to two now and I'm still like oh, this, yeah. is, this is crazy I, I, I mean I thought we weren't going to go here but we since since Rachel's brought it up it's fine go there uh, um 
just give that some context. Why on earth were you <laughs> yeah, at the well, Super Bowl? Because well, we, it wasn't Youthscape. No, you if, if you're a donor to Youthscape, <laughs> yeah. you're just about to cancel your, your, yeah, your donation You to didn't us. fly me to Houston. My brother uh, hosts The Late Late Show, so he does The Late Late Show with James Corden, and we get to do some fun things now as a result of the lifestyle that he leads, and the Super Bowl was one of them. So, oh, amazing. Um, yeah, you were utterly, utterly hilarious. I'm super, super proud of you. And your mums. Your mom, so your parents quite often on the Late Late Show. Yes, and my parents did that's the That's the same mum we were talking about. That's the same mum that washed uniforms for young people and went and visited their families. And now that's she's the hosting same. the Grammys. Now she's at the Grammys. They've just done the basketball and my dad got a weird fake tattoo on his chest. It was all um, very funny. But yeah, we get to do some great things as a result of uh, Joe's It's all Trump, on YouTube, so. isn't it? It's all, it's all on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. It's all on YouTube. We love you. We love your heart, Ruth. And, uh, but you're about to go down because we're playing a game and I, I'm very competitive with Me this. Too. But I have a horrible feeling you're going to win. I she will. She'll she know. Will so basically, this is uh, I'm not very Matt. intuitive. Oh, it's actually Helen. Helen, one of our youth workers here at Youthscape. Yeah. She's been listening in to young people in the drop-in speaking. Right. And she identifies a word, and we have to work out what it means. Okay. And then put it in a context of a sentence. Okay. Great. Okay. But I have to win. Okay. It's not gone well for me so far. <laughs> I'm sure it hasn't, Martin. I don't know that so, you're particularly down with youth culture. Come on. Come on. <laughs> okay. So our today's word challenge is the word day. Oh, that's day. Oh. And you get bonus points if you know how the word came about. Yes, I think we both know this one. Yeah, do you know me too? We know this one. I'm gonna. I. You must know. So bay. Um. So it's isn't it spelt different? It's not like summer bay from home and away. <laughs> It's not spelled spelled, like that. Is it spelled B-A-E? Like, oh, B-A-E. Yes, like, well like British Airspace, right? Oh, okay, British well, airspace. There we go. Is that what it means? Exactly. Is it, is it, is it British Airspace? I see yeah. that you're putting this on a little bit. Like, no. you're, you're up playing no, no, Partridge. No, no, no. I'm not. I do, I do, I think it means uh, before all else. Well done. Yes! Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think it's the, uh, it's, and I only, do you know why I know this actually? It's because I got an email from the youth pastor at Hillsong London. Who is super cool. Who's super cool. And we're going to get him on this. Yeah, we will. And he, in the email said, by the way, just dropping this in at the end. Jesus is Bay. Jesus is and Jesus. I, is and then I was like, what does that Jesus mean? And it turns out before I left. But people, but young people, I understand, use it for their romantic acquaintances. Yes. Yeah, that's and, right. And also just for close friendships, I think, as well. So oh, is that, do I? I, I, I mean, well, should we listen to what the answer is? Yeah, Imagine if it's British aerospace. Imagine. <laughs> that would be funny if it was. So to use a sentence, Bay would be like, Jesus is my Bay. So the word Bay is an acronym for the phrase beyond anyone else oh, and it's what you described that like, person who's most important to you oh, isn't it before beyond, I'm pretty sure it's before, before. I think it was before let's say well. before I've never won one of these games it's before shall we let you win it can I have this Martin it's has yours. won that yeah. it was the easy one I mean it's a bit of a sympathy pity one but no I'll take it you were straight there I'll take the British aerospace <laughs> exactly what it was I'll take it take two you got it right Beautiful. Guys, we've so loved. Ruth, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. loved having you with us today. And we hope that all of you tuning in, we hope you just really loved that and got loads, loads from it about not just how we keep young people safe, but a vision about their flourishing, a vision about safeguarding and church being family. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. So until next time, bye. 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 Nice one. Nice one. Nice one with the bay at the end. Loved that. That